This is Opportunities in Science. With me, Dr. Barry Towler, founder and CEO of science animation company Vivo Motion. In this podcast, inspiring individuals reveal their interesting career pathways after completing a degree in science. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Opportunities in Science. Um, I'm delighted to welcome today's guest, Dr. Terry Gaskell. Hi, Terry. Hi, Barry. How are you? Hi, thanks. So Terry is currently Chief Technology Officer at Rinri Therapeutics Limited. So Rinri Therapeutics is a company which is involved in discovery and development in the field of hearing loss, supported by Boringer Ingelheim Venture Fund, UCB Ventures, Biocity and the University of Sheffield. So Terry has taken on this role relatively recently, but she's had a number of roles since she um, completed her science degree. So we're going to go right back to the start, Terry, um, because this is where we met. We both did um, a Bachelor of Science in Biochemistry at the University of Dundee. We'll not say when we did it, but it's quite a long time ago now. (laughs) So, yeah, can you just talk us through why you chose that degree at Dundee University and then where that led you on to afterwards? Yeah, sure. So thanks so much for, for inviting me along. I'm really, really happy to chat to you about this today. So... The choice of biochemistry was really a sort of fairly naive one in some ways in that I like biology and I like chemistry and I was interested in how things worked. Mm -hmm. Um, So biochemistry seemed a sort of fairly obvious choice. I I did toy with medicine, but decided that I really wanted to go into into research was my ultimate aim. So biochemistry was was sort of the the degree choice. Um, University of of Dundee, which obviously is where we we met, might seem a bit of a random choice for someone from Cheshire, but back in the day and, and still now, obviously it has a, a really good reputation for biochemistry um, and, and definitely was a moving away from home option as well. So, yeah. um, and, and I think for me, biochemistry, although it sounds very sort of chemical, what we had was the flexibility to do all the modules. And I realized I really like molecular biology. Um, mm-hmm. I really liked all the pathway analysis, signaling um, and that kind of thing. And that really fitted in with my how does stuff work and, and how does it go wrong and, and how do you fix it? Um, mm-hmm. So really it kind of cemented that interest and, and aspiration, I, I guess, to continue in research. So yeah. when I finished my, my degree, I, I decided to go on and do a PhD because I, I really wanted this kind of academic career in research. So I moved a little bit further south to, to Edinburgh University um, and did my PhD there working on, on uh, fission yeast and looking at cell cycle controls or genetics, molecular biology, um, okay, which cool. I really enjoyed. Um, so decided that definitely a career in academia was for me, but that was sort of the end of my, of my studies, um, I guess. And then I, I did a couple of postdocs again, staying, staying in Edinburgh. Um, so the first one was at the Medical Research Council um, Human Reproductive Sciences Unit, um, which mm-hmm. sadly no longer exists in it in that form, okay. where I was working on uh, sort of developmental biology, looking at germ cell development and potential for um, sort of in utero exposure to to chemicals and how that might have an impact on on future sort of um, cancer risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was that was really good. So I was there for, for four years, actually doing a postdoc. And it, it was a really sort of grounding experience. My supervisor there was, was really good. She was very organized. So I learned a lot about how to do research as much as just the science mm-hmm. um, and how to be really sort of focused 
and and sort of keep keep an eye on an eye on the prize and that was that was a really sort of rewarding few years I think I sort of matured a lot as a scientist when I was when I was there yeah and then I went on and did another postdoc again in Edinburgh but the Institute for Stem Cell Research and there I was obviously in a sort of slightly more senior postdoc role so doing more working with the PhD students and and so sort of slightly broader lab role um and I had a technician there, so I, I moved into the world of line management, uh, which yeah. was which was quite a sort of soft landing. On that, my technician was was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was again was was looking at sort of fundamental biology, but with a with a view to sort of therapeutic uses. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where I I kind of decided that I wanted to do something more translational. And mm-hmm. we're not talking about how long ago. We'll we'll keep that. But <laughs> back in in the day, the yeah. dividing line between academia and industry was was it felt like a, a brick wall um yeah. I think it's that has changed I think mm-hmm. better and it's a much more much more of a kind of blurred interface now but, okay. but it was sort of very much a binary choice did you stay in academia or did you mm-hmm. sell your soul to the dark side and go into yeah. industry and I decided to jump the wall okay. it, it was more of a kind of clawing my way up it and over the top than a jump it, it did take me quite a while to find yeah. the right role I had a lot of academic experience but People in industry didn't necessarily yeah. get that, and they were looking for industry experience. But it's that whole kind of vicious circle of how so you. So, how did you? What was your strategy for doing that? Then, how did you go about it? Yeah, that was a real struggle, and and I think it was there just wasn't as much information available. Mm-hmm. Um, again, showing my age, and I was sort of fifteen years ago now, so it wasn't that easy. There wasn't LinkedIn. There wasn't as much sort of networking. Mm-hmm. I did speak to some recruitment consultants who, again, just didn't really seem to know how to how to deal with the experience I had. I had nine yeah. years postdoc experience. So yeah. I was a pretty experienced scientist, yet mm-hmm. all they could offer me were technician roles in yeah. a in a sort of um, processing company or something. Mm-hmm. So nothing that really grabbed me. And then eventually I just, through sheer perseverance, I think as much as anything else, just kept looking for roles. Mm-hmm. And-, and so did you just put applications in for jobs or what did you have yeah. to repurpose your CV as well? Like, what did you do? I, I did. I think in the end, I think it was kind of luck that the people at, at Salatis were, they mm-hmm. were just looking for a scientist um, and they, they were happy to take someone with mm-hmm. no sort of commercial experience. Yeah. Um, so I think through that process, the university sort of career service as well wasn't particularly well suited to helping mm. um, putting together a, a CV no. for, for something outside academia. All, all anyone there knew was, was academia. And, yeah. and there was a little bit of that sort of, oh, are you going into industry? That's not real science, which, of course, mm. we all know is not true. Yeah. So it was I think it was it was sheer perseverance in the end. Um, yeah. I think these days it would be a lot easier. And I think that sort of line is is much more blurred um, yeah. and there's a lot of experience now within the universities of, of spinning out companies and I think people are much more aware now of, of, of that kind of and did you have any sort of connections being that it was back in Dundee did you have any connections at Solartis or not it was just no like... I didn't actually um yeah. that was it was a completely sort of new environment and mm-hmm. f- for me felt a bit scary going into into a company and I thought it would be terrifying and all very corporate mm-hmm. and it wasn't at all that's good I think what I found was if you're working in a lab, you're working in a lab. Yeah. And and it's it's all we're all trying to do good science at the end of the day. Yeah. Maybe the focus is a bit more narrow and the sort of the, the drive is is maybe a little bit more to not go off on tan- interesting tangents and you have yeah. to sort of stick to the focus. But focus, in terms yeah. of the actual culture in the lab and and, mm-hmm. and the work you're doing, it it's very much the same. So okay. I actually spent two years there and mm-hmm. that was really 
it was really good. They they were it felt a bit like working in a research institute, but obviously mm-hmm. with a, a commercial focus. Sure. And and I, I sort of I went in as a as a scientist and ended up sort of project lead within a within a couple of years. Which so I think there were real opportunities, and I think that's one of the things. Obviously, in academia, it's a bit more. You're on a ladder and you kind of gradually crawl your way up, and it's really hard to to kind of prove yourself or to 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 progress really yeah. ahead of the curve. Whereas in industry, I've found that if you can find your niche and show that you you have value, then you will you will be rewarded for that, and, and you that's can good. make quite rapid career progress. Yeah, it's good to know that perspective as well. Yeah, I just think yeah, it's it, there's more flexibility certainly in smaller companies as well that mm-hmm. it's very much on an individual basis, and and you're not just in this kind of framework where there's no there's no discretion Mm -hmm. so so up until that point I was still still in Scotland having gone Mm -hmm. up there to do my degree yeah 15 years before that (laughs) um so uh, yeah so I'd been Dundee then down to Edinburgh and then a couple of years back in Dundee um and then actually someone that I worked with at Salatis had moved down south um and essentially asked if I wanted to join and for sort of personal reasons my my husband who I met at Dundee University as well, mm-hmm. is in finance and, and he kind of always wanted to to give London a shot for his okay. career. Yeah. Um, so so we we packed up and, and moved south um, and I joined a company called Cell Guidance Systems, which was a, a brand new company at the time. There were only three of us, so it really was doing everything. Yeah. And I, I did end up as a, um, a CSO, a chief scientific officer mm-hmm. at Cell Guidance Systems, which sounds very grand, but I was also kind of lab technician, lab manager, production mm-hmm. manager, cleaner, and pretty Doing much everything else, tech support, <laughs> sales, <laughs> production. Um, but that was, a, again, a really, really valuable experience in just being thrown in at the kind of sharp end of, 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 of company life and having to sort of pick up lots of lots of bits, mm-hmm. lots of jobs. And, and that whole, if you're in biotech, then there's no such thing as that's not in my job description. If it needs yeah. done, someone has to do has it. To do, and, yeah. and that real kind of hands to the pump, which which I really like. Mm-hmm. But what I found at Cell Guidance Systems was I was kind of moving away from, from the sort of translational aspect of what mm-hmm. I really enjoyed. So although we were developing reagents to support researchers to do to do important sort of stem cell research, and, and since my Edinburgh days from my second postdoc, I'd really got into the world of sort of stem cell research, so pluripotent stem cells and and the sort of therapeutic potential of those. Mm-hmm. Um, so Salatis built on that, and Cell Guidance Systems was was primarily focused around tools for stem cell research. Okay. So it was kind of very tangentially mm-hmm. involved in research, but not to the degree that I wanted to be anymore. Mm-hmm. So so it was sort of time for the next move. So yeah. although my, both my postdocs are quite long, my, my two roles, so at Salatis, I was only there for two years. At Cell Guidance Systems, I was only there for two years. And it was sort of, I learned a huge amount, but it was time to to kind of move on. So in 2013, it was, I joined the Cell and Gene Therapy Catapult, mm-hmm. which again was another brand new organization. It had just okay. been going about nine months, I think, when I started. Yeah. And it was part of a sort of government initiative to to set up these kind of organizations to to support industry. Um, so we were there to support what really was at the time a sort of nascent cell therapy industry. So so even just nine years ago, there weren't that many cell therapies out there. Now there's, there's yeah. CAR-T therapies and, and there's a lot that people are much more aware of. So when I joined, there were 25 of us. There's now, I think, well over 400 people at the oh, organization. Wow. Okay. But it, it grew really quickly and I think faster than anyone thought it would. Okay. So that was an exciting time. Yeah. It was my first I was I was out of the lab, which was a big, big step because I, I really yeah. enjoy 
enjoyed the lab work but mm -hmm. as as you kind of progress through your career you tend to move away from that um mm -hmm. and I guess I was I was kind of fed up with the Sunday feeds as well stem cells are very needy yeah um, so it was <laughs> nice to nice to get away from, from the sort of seven days <laughs> exactly cell um, culture yeah so I kind of moved behind the desk and became a program manager and wasn't really absolutely certain what that role entailed but it essentially just getting stuff done um mm -hmm. and and working on communication was mm -hmm. was the key thing so there's lots of prints too and all these kind of project management theories but they're not necessarily all that helpful I don't think um mm -hmm. and I've, I've never actually done any formal qualifications despite ending up as head of program delivery yeah I think sometimes just a, a healthy dose of common sense and some basic organizational skills probably yeah. what you need Mm -hmm. But again, that that was a a hugely sort of educational experience at Cell mm -hmm. Gene Therapy Catapult. We became the gene Cell and Gene Therapy Catapult, so I, mm -hmm. I started to learn about gene therapy as well. And really, because of my role of looking after the sort of the whole portfolio, and I ended up with a team of nine program managers and a, um, a sort of support officer. We mm -hmm. really set up the processes to track lots and lots of activities in very very disparate types of roles. Um, mm -hmm areas so we, we looked at therapies we looked at supporting technologies and we worked with with so many collaborators because that was we did some research ourselves but most of what we did was was collaborative okay. um so so the sort of networking opportunities were incredible um mm -hmm. just meeting people and, and really sort of having a a very broad feel for for how to do things sometimes yeah. how not to do things mm -hmm. um so we learned a lot of lessons so i became a little bit of a kind of jack of all trades yeah. while i was there but still managed to cling on to my sort of stem cell passion yeah. Yeah. um and, and there was a very sort of active research group there that I, I was able to kind of have a technical input into which which I'm very grateful for because it wasn't really part of my job but they they kind of yeah. let me let me stay involved in that mm -hmm. and I ended up there for seven and a half years which was yeah. sort of the longest I'd ever been anywhere um, yeah and and it was great and the people were amazing still are amazing I'm still in contact with with, with many of them and mm -hmm. I was given so many opportunities to learn I was involved in licensing deals so mm -hmm. those kind of late night negotiations with the lawyers and things so mm -hmm. just the opportunities I, I had to to yeah. learn um, just different aspects of, of, of the sort of development life cycle was incredible. It sounds like also by by joining all these companies early stage that you're getting more opportunity as well as the companies are growing and probably there's a lot of excitement and just I don't know yeah. buzz about the place with new companies just starting off. It sounds there like is and there's a lot of sort of fluidity as well and, and it, it's it's very much that kind of everyone rolls up their sleeves and just gets yeah. on with it so mm -hmm. it's not so kind of this is your little box over here and yeah and I think, yeah, one of the things that when I was looking around at jobs, of, certainly when I was looking to leave Cell and Gene Therapy Catapult, because mm -hmm. obviously I was in that program management role, role and they they were getting much bigger. So it was becoming much more kind of structured, which yeah. isn't really my thing. No. Um, so I decided that I wanted to launch back into the slightly crazy world of biotech. Um, mm -hmm. And as as uh, someone close to me pointed out, I kind of thrive on chaos. <laughs> and once it all starts to become very ordered, then... You don't then, like it anymore. Yes. No, no, I like the chaos. So, so then I was looking around for essentially the, the role I have now. So, my 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 kind of ambition, I guess, from when I joined Salatis, um, but certainly at, throughout my time at Cell and Gene Therapy Caspel, and on, on a little bit of a tangent here, I was really really fortunate to have coaching while I was at Catapult. So mm -hmm. they 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 provided that, which was amazingly valuable a lady called Ashling Bernand mm -hmm. who's incredible she's had a really interesting career but she's 
just really good at getting you to think about what it is you're good at, which I don't think mm-hmm. we're always that good at doing it. I think we always tend mm-hmm. to focus on things we're not good at. So mm-hmm. that experience of, of sort of just going through that whole, what are my strengths? What what can I bring to this? How do I work best? What what culture, what environment suits me? Yeah. Um, was actually really, really helpful mm-hmm. just to have a bit of, bit of confidence as well. I think we're all kind of subject to that whole imposter syndrome where it's just like well why would they want me I'm rubbish um but I think if if you without sort of being arrogant but I think you just have to be clear on what it is you're good at everyone's good at something and we're all good at different things and I think if you can identify that then Mm -hmm. it helps you and also the experience that you've gained along the way I mean all those things that I've listed in this in this interview it's amazing to see all the different skills that you've developed and and interests as well almost looks like I had a plan but I really didn't I just kind of followed Follow jobs that I was really interested in that I felt yeah. I would learn something but yeah. um, if you'd asked me I guess 10 years ago would I ever be CTO of a therapy company I'd have probably laughed at you yeah um, yeah and, and and yet here I am um, and yeah. just out of interest what has helped you along the way in making these decisions would you say like you've said there you had a coach um but that was kind of relatively recently before that what what things did you do um so so the big decision to to leave academia I think that was just within me I just knew that I didn't want to be an academic PI mm-hmm. um, I didn't want to get on that cycle of applying for grants and, and I saw a lot of a lot of people and it, I mean it's it's even harder now but people that I really respected as scientists who I thought were were excellent struggling mm-hmm. to get the funding and I'm yeah. just really spending a lot of their time do, doing all that kind of admin stuff and Mm-hmm. and being sort of frustrated at every turn and, and I just thought well, gosh if they can't do it or if they're struggling with it then do I really really want to go down that no. down that route yeah and, and sort of the translational aspect of it I think that that was a sort of big move and I think just general perseverance helped me with that one yeah I didn't really have a network it was before the days of LinkedIn and, and everything yeah. else so that was I think that was probably the biggest struggle I made the decision but then it probably took me about 18 months or so to really find yeah find that role so really just and also identifying taking that time to identify what it is you're interested in and what you want to pursue what you want basically yeah and I, I've been I've been very fortunate that I've had the sort of family support to to be able to to follow what I was interested in and, mm-hmm. and I know not everyone has that has that privilege to do mm-hmm. so and, and I do know that I'm I'm really lucky that that I have been able to to kind of follow follow yeah. that passion throughout mm-hmm. um so the, the coaching actually we we had reasonably early on when I was at Catapult so that's probably from about 2014 mm-hmm. so the, the two roles before that I think the the role at Salatis was the perfect kind of stepping stone for me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then cell guidance systems was was really kind of plunging in their head first into the whole unknown mm-hmm. and and it was it was a great and and again really really good people that I worked with yeah who sort of um Michael Jones who set the company up and, and gave a lot of support and mm-hmm. and now the company is, is is doing really well but I think for, for me it was a good learning experience but it just wasn't quite the right role for me in terms of reagent development and I I think that really cemented that decision that I did I did want to go into something much more kind of clinical facing even yeah. if not actual kind of clinical role yeah. and, and to get back in the translation and then yeah the catapult coaching was really helpful and also just the people I worked with there were very generous with their time in discussing mm-hmm. different aspects so that 
every opportunity was there. If I'd wanted to to go into sort of regulatory side of things, then mm-hmm. that could have been an opportunity. And just mm-hmm. the exposure to all those different elements. Yeah, um, that's good. And, and, and support from, from senior staff was really good. Yeah. Good. So you're now at Rinri Therapeutics. Would you like yeah. to tell us a bit about that role and what you're, what would you say are the kind of, I don't know, the main qualities that you're using that you've, I mean, you'll have lots of qualities that you've developed over the years, but what are you sort of mainly using now and, and what does the role entail? Yeah, so so my, as you said, my title is sort of Chief Technology Officer. So I, I work very closely, well, with everyone, there's only not that many of us. There's there's three people in the lab, and then okay. uh, myself, the CEO, uh, the CSO, and we have a sort of director of clinops and and a couple of sort of senior managers, mm-hmm. and then we work in collaboration with with other groups. So, although the core team is quite small, um, the sort of broader team of people who are working on on our um, pipeline is is much larger. So we mm-hmm. we're still working obviously very closely with the with the academic group that this spun out of, um, and my role really is is to kind of it's almost like a sort of COO type role, more sort of chief operational um, officer type role, mm-hmm. mingled with some science um, in there as well, and looking at the sort of technology development. So, essentially, I'm I'm sort of the bridge between the sort of late academic work um, through to clinical. So, looking at, at the sort of the product development, how to get it to uh, GMP, sort of good manufacturing practice um, mm-hmm. standards, so that we can actually go into a clinical trial. Um, okay. And also working on on the pipeline. So when I first joined, well, about eighteen months ago now, almost, we didn't have our own lab. We were we were very much sort of um, working with with the academic lab. We're doing we're doing all the research. Um, mm-hmm. And now we have we have three people um, okay. and a lab set up mm-hmm. up in Sheffield. Sort of working in parallel on on pipeline products. So bringing the next the next products through um, through the process. So my role is really very much a sort of coordination role. Um, I do, because of my scientific background, get to be involved in looking at the data and, and applying experiments and analysing data and things, uh, which which I think is a bit that without that, I, would, I wouldn't want to just do a purely organisational role. So that being part of the science was really important. And when I was looking at roles um, to move to, there were lots of sort of gene therapy company roles, which are really interesting, but not just not my passion they weren't stem cells um, yeah. and I think that's that was a challenge in the UK there's not that many stem mm-hmm. cell based companies out there um but there are a couple but not loads so it's good to know that you've stayed true to your passion those following what you're interested in and and you know this the therapy yeah and I think there's a lot of there's a lot of luck involved in that that this role happened to be to be there when I was when I was looking um so I think the, the sort of the main things I do are, as say, sort of coordinating and organising. A lot of my network has been hugely important in this role because, as a small biotech, you, you have to collaborate and you and you need to work with the right people. And yeah. throughout my time, I mean, throughout all of my career, but largely from from the time I was at Catapult, I've, I've sort of met the top people in this field. So when it came to looking for manufacturing or looking for a consultant to help us with QA or yeah. or anything else, I, I kind of knew the people that I'd worked with before. So knowing people that are good, that you can trust, that you can have those very open conversations with has been absolutely invaluable in being able to, to sort of deliver on, on my role at Rinry um, yeah. and sort of bring all the right people together. Um, I think you do have to have a bit of a sense of humour um, <laughs> and sense of perspective about these things by tech yeah. is can be a bit of a rocky rocky ride and and yeah. sometimes it's just science stuff just sometimes doesn't work but you're against tight deadlines so I think being able to kind of 
keep keep people on side and and keep it keep it fun as well we, what we're doing is obviously we're all really committed to it and what I love is is sort of being part of that team that's trying to do something really quite meaningful to patients that would be would be quite life-changing if, if we can pull it off Good. so that's really exciting and, and I think we need to kind of when things aren't going quite so well you do need to keep reminding yourself of that and and keep that kind of team team spirit so yeah kind of what, what I've learned over the years is is that sort of how to build a team how to network mm-hmm. the team I had at Catapult there were sort of variously sort of between eight and ten of us in, in the sort of program management team and 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 we were sort of good friends as well as colleagues and we did a lot of stuff together and, and kind of had a, had a laugh in the office and kind of kept, tried to keep it keep it fun while we were de- delivering serious stuff just try not yeah. to kind of get dragged down into it when things weren't weren't quite going the way we wanted to. So you've talked us through all the different roles you've had, which sound absolutely fascinating. What have been your main career achievements or highlights? Yeah, there there are a few things. So back in my sort of academic days, my first postdoc, it's sort of a, I guess quite a small thing, but managed to sort of make a discovery that really kind of challenged an existing hypothesis. And mm-hmm. anyone that knows me knows I'm quite stubborn. So if someone tells me something's impossible or or mm-hmm. it's just a fact but can't back it up, then I tend to take that as a bit of a challenge. Um, so that that was nice. We, we'd taken a very different approach and sort of very meticulously unpicked some sort of expression pathways and, and really showed that the prevailing hypothesis at the time just, just couldn't actually be true. Okay. Um, so that was quite cool. Um, yeah. So I do remember going to a going to a conference in uh, Cold Spring Harbour with, with my poster mm-hmm. and seeing sort of the one of the, the sort of, yeah, seeing the reaction and sort of someone sauntering up going, so <laughs> it's like, yep. Um, so that, that was, yeah, that was exciting. Yeah. And then sort of, even, even though reagents wasn't really my thing, developing sort of new systems to help stem cell researchers based on what I knew yeah. were the challenges of, of being a researcher was really quite good. And, and a couple of my my creations or co-creations obviously I didn't do it none of this is is something you do on your own they're still Mm. commercially available so you do get a little bit of a kind of buzz out of seeing those on sale and going to conferences and seeing the companies kind of promoting them Mm -hmm. and and I'm kind of hugely proud of of really my my small role in in building cell and gene therapy catapult I think it's been a huge force for for good in in the UK in, in building that industry um, and really engaging with with people across 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 the UK, but obviously sort of globally as well. And that's something that I was hugely passionate about. And and obviously they do amazing work. And I'm kind of quite proud of being being part of that and helping to helping to build that up. Mm-hmm. And now, yeah, at Rinry we're, we're still early days, but it's it's exciting and we're building the team. And and yeah. it's just such a we've we've we managed to build a really nice culture around it as well. So I think that's. So you have to have to watch this space to see see what yeah. we deliver. But, Sounds um, very but now exciting. It's building nicely. Yeah. A new set of challenges for you. Yes. yes <laughs> um, so just to finish up, um, what advice would you give anybody who wants a career in science? You need a lot of tenacity, um, and I think it, it's not the most straightforward career ever. So you need to do. So, you need to find your passion. And, and mm-hmm. as I said, I've been very fortunate that I've managed to kind of largely kind of stick with that all the way through and and, and find roles that, that support that because it's mm-hmm. it's not always easy so I think you, you do need to have that to kind of hang on to the relationships and networking I think are, are just more and more important and easier these days which is good so I yeah. think that's that's good to to kind of give and take as well you, obviously you build the network because you want to you want to know the right people at the right time and and that's often where 
career opportunities come up and you'll hear about something something new happening that you maybe want to get involved in but for, for me it's kind of important to to build the network to kind of bring other people along as well and to, mm. to kind of engage and and sounds a bit trite but kind of give something back that mm. I've been given opportunities and support and and I, I would like to think that I, I'll have the opportunity to, to do that for other people coming coming up as well. Mm-hmm. Now that I have to admit that I'm old, um, I'm one of the <laughs> now I have to admit I'm actually one of the grown ups now. Then um, maybe <laughs> I have, to, have to have to kind of try and give a bit of a helping hand to other people who 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 are looking to come into this. Um, mm-hmm. And just yeah, be prepared to push yourself out of your comfort zone because that's that's really where the opportunities come and where yeah. where you get the real satisfaction of doing something that you perhaps didn't think you could do well certainly by sharing your story today you're giving something back Terry it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and hearing about your journey um we haven't really kept in touch over the years we were just saying earlier that you know when we were at uni there was no Facebook there was no social media so once we left uni that was kind of it unless you took somebody's address to write a letter no letters (laughs) my goodness So, yeah, so I'm delighted that we've managed to reconnect and thank you very much for sharing your journey today. It's been fantastic, really interesting and all the best with your role at Rinreen. Watch this space. Thank you. Thanks very much, Harry. Thanks for listening to Opportunities in Science with me, Dr. Barry Towler, founder and CEO of science animation company, Vivo Motion. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do so on Apple, Google and Spotify. We look forward to you joining us for the next episode. Bye for now.